0: Welcome to the show. Kat Meek is a stone-cold genius and my sister. She is a lifelong restaurant owner, a real estate investor, and a short-term rental host. And recently, she's taken on a new role that hopefully she'll tell us about in a few minutes. If you are, for some reason, new to Top Floor, you can catch up on all of our past Sister Shenanigans in episodes 1, 53, 65, 66, and 100, all of which will be linked in the show notes. Today, Kat and I are going to recap 2023 and talk about plans and predictions for 2024. But before we do, we need to answer the call button. The emergency call button is our hotline for pretty much anybody who has a burning question. If you would like to submit a question, you can call or text me at 850-404-9630. Today's question was submitted by me. (laughs) And here it is. What is the most annoying question a person can ask?
1: I think it's right when I get home from any trip, and they say, what was the absolute best part of your trip? Or tell me everything about your trip. Really? But then, Yes, I hate that. But I like to like marinate on it and kind of think about it and then like let it come up naturally. Not like sit down and tell me every single detail and every little thing. And blah, 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 blah. I don't like that. I don't like it when people
0: say like, oh, I want to hear all about your trip, which is why I asked the question, what was your favorite part of your trip? Because it's like something you can chip off and answer and then move on with your life.
1: Okay. You're right. That is a much better way to do it. Yes. Yeah, it's, I want to hear all about your trip. And then Ugh. it's like, where do I begin? I At mean, the exactly.
0: <laughs> like you can't even remember the beginning of a trip by the end of a trip. You know what I mean?
1: Exactly. I'm like, do you not have Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very
0: good point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> have you ever heard of something called a Masogi? No. Okay. It's a... Japanese ritual that I think I did some research about this. So, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it involves where you go and stand underneath an ice cold waterfall one time a year. And the idea is that you do something so hard one day every year that it positively impacts the other 364 days a year. So, Jesse Itzler, who is Sarah Blakely's husband, refers to a Masogi as kind of like a year defining event, like, you know, you ran a big race or you took a big trip or you had a baby or, you know what I mean? Whatever the thing is. So I know you went on a bunch of trips this year. I don't know if those would be your Masogi. What was your Masogi in 2023?
1: Well, uh, I don't know if this is exactly the definition of a Masogi, but for me, the most life-changing thing was the trip that you and I took to Alaska together. That's mine. Because, yeah. And because I learned, first of all, it was a leap of faith to go that far with people we didn't know, although we had each other. So there was that, but for me, it made me understand how much that, A, I love travel no matter where, and no matter who I'm with. I love adventure and that I wanted to somehow be in the travel industry. And so it really changed the way that I kind of looked at my ability to do that. And I thought I could do this. I I can do this for a living. And by this, I mean, organize, uh, gather, guide, um, all of the elements that went into the planning and the guiding of that trip. That's cool.
0: And so that ultimately resulted, I think, in you having to
1: take a bunch of classes and all this stuff. Yes. I decided I wanted to become a travel advisor or agent. It's kind of controversial which term you use. (laughs) Um, But I, I decided I wanted to do that. And because I was coming in at the ground level, I took every single class, certification. I don't know if certification is the right... I mean, there were certain levels of that. But anything I could get my hands on, I just wanted to learn, learn, learn. So yes, yeah, so I took lots of tests and classes. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> this, is, this is cool. But fun because I was so excited about it.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. I'm glad you did that. I My Misogi was definitely our Alaska trip also. But for different reasons, it was... Like a very short-term decision and the opportunity from Cherish Tours came to me because of this show, which was really special. And it was just something that I probably never would have been able to execute or do by myself. And then of course, I think that's the first time you and I ever took like a big trip like that together. And that was really fun. I mean, it just was a great trip. Honestly, people, if you want to hear about this trip, go back and listen to episode 100 because that's where we talk about it.
1: But it was amazing. It was was amazing. amazing.
0: What were some of the other big things that happened in your life this year, both good and bad?
1: um well we as you said in the introduction have some rental properties short-term rental we also have long-term rental so it was such a strange year this year particularly in my market where i live in um you know northwest florida and the short-term rental market was inundated with tons more properties than we've ever had before and so learning how to adjust to that and then the just Learning how to, you know, redesign our business model of how we do things to be, to stay competitive and full. And do we want it to be a short term or a long term? We actually converted one of our properties back from short term to long term as a result of this year. It was a big eye opening learning year in that regard. What about you? Well, I'll tell you about mine in a second, but. This short-term
0: rental inventory thing is so interesting because it's kind of like this national conversation about people, you, you, private equity firms, all the stuff, buying up these properties and causing the cost of housing to increase mm-hmm. so dramatically. Um, but I wonder if you're on the front of a trend, which is reverting from short-term to long-term. That is, will be an interesting one for us to watch. I mean, big things that happened to me this year, besides going to Alaska, um, as you know, I'm on a quest to visit all 50 states. So I knocked another state off the list, which was Arkansas. That was really cool. And I went to Toronto during the Canadian wildfires, which was maybe not something that I wanted to seek out, but it was an experience to have, to say the least. And we celebrated our parents' 50th wedding anniversary with a nice dinner. That was really cool. So a lot of good stuff. I officiated my niece's wedding in October. And then, crazily enough, Just a few weeks ago, I officiated another wedding on my front porch for these people who, long story short, needed to get a wedding taken care of that day. There were no shotguns involved, but they had a timeline. And so they came over to my house and we did it real quick on the front porch and that was that. So it's a very interesting year from that perspective. Last year in Episode 71, I made some predictions about The year ahead in hospitality. The first one had to do with AI because ChatGPT had just come out a month before. And, you know, I talked about the fact that I thought AI would be big, but that leaning further into your own personality and your own point of view would be more important. I'm not sure that my prediction came true necessarily, although I think it still is true. But I'm curious if you used any AI over the last year, what you thought of it.
1: I did. I used ChatGPT and I also used another app. I think it's called Genius. Mm -hmm. And for both of them, I only use them to create itineraries for trips for me. And it was more or less um, just to kind of see what they would come up with. Because as I understand it, chat GPT, there's a free version, which is the only version I got. I didn't spend the money that is only updated up until like, I think 2021, maybe, or 2020. Yes. And so the restaurants may not be accurate. The hours, the admission fee, all these sorts of things, um, aren't necessarily accurate. So I wanted to do it because back kind of, it all goes back to the travel advisor, um, position for me. I wanted to see, okay, so if I'm somebody that's looking whether or not I want to hire a travel advisor or not, can I get the exact same product by just simply asking AI? And the Mm -hmm. answer is no, you can't, but that's what I did. I did a lot of, um, uh, role playing, and also for our actual trips, to see what I came up with versus what they could tell me to do.
0: And did you get any recommendations for your itineraries that were like really great or really surprising?
1: Um, I, there was something it, it told me to do the last day in Anchorage when I was there by myself. Um, I can't remember. I think it was the bike ride I did through a park which ended up not being that great of an idea because it was also a marathon going on in that park that day. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was mm-hmm. on an e-bike, like dodging these, you know, like serious runners. So I mean, I'm glad I did it, but, um, but no, there was nothing like groundbreaking or yeah, that I hadn't already found myself. Gotcha. I
0: used chat a huge amount. Um, I have the paid version and I use it all the time for getting me started on writing projects. The output is very fast and very terrible. Not terrible in terms of like the words are spelled wrong or something like that. It's just not very well written. But it gives you a place to start and then edit from, which I think is really helpful.
1: I've never thought to use it like that. That's a good idea. In fact, I have an email I need to send out that's kind of important about uh, uh, the, our snack shop business that's not important. But I'm like, oh, maybe that's my starting point. That's a really good idea.
0: It's good because then it like helps you stop procrastinating. The other couple of things I did on ChatGPT were to use it when I needed to write something that was difficult like something that the receiver might not enjoy reading ah. and so i would write it in plain language and then say can you rewrite this and make it more diplomatic or more professional or more you know like dear you i hate your guts please <laughs> make this more professional and diplomatic um so that was nice and then the other thing that i did that i had more and less success with just depending this is maybe not going to translate, but I'll try to explain it. If I was getting information that was formatted a particular way, like a list that was numbered, for example, or something that had a bunch of bullet points in it, and I wanted all of that formatting stripped away, rather than like clicking and deleting and clicking and deleting, <clears throat> I would copy and paste it into Chat GPT and say, Can you give me this list back unformatted? unformatted. And then I could copy it. And that was just like a quicker way to do it. I also used a bunch of AI image and photography apps. Um, I used Dolly, which is part of OpenAI, to make some crazy images. Interestingly, I asked it to create images of podcasters and it gave me all white guys. So that was annoying. Um, And then I used another app called Try It On AI to make headshots. I uploaded 20 photographs of myself and then it gave me back like 20 or 25 professional-ish headshots. Some of them looked crazy. Some of them look like glamour shots from the 90s. But some actually turned out pretty well. And in fact, my LinkedIn headshot right now is an AI headshot, which I think is hilarious.
1: That is such a good idea. I would have never thought... Is that on the paid version or is that a free version?
0: It's not part of OpenAI. It's it's a different app. And it was paid, but it was like... 15 bucks, 20 bucks, something like that. I definitely do not think that that takes the place of getting professional headshots made, but I needed a headshot for a specific purpose, so I was just like, "Oh, I'm going to try it and see what happens." And it actually looks pretty good. It's pretty realistic. You're going to get, you know, maybe they give you 20 options. You're going to get 3 or 4 that you'll like and want to use. I definitely got some that were way hotter than I ever have been. <laughs> so, I you know, sprinkle them throughout my online content here and there, just to make myself look a little bit better. But it's a fun experiment, if nothing else. Well,
1: maybe I'll do one for uh, this podcast. Ooh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I, maybe you should. Maybe I will.
0: <laughs> so, my second prediction from last year had to do with non-alcoholic drinks and. Needing a way to soothe social anxiety without drinking. Honestly, I probably never should have made this stupid prediction because weed is the answer. That already exists. People already take edibles and gummies and everything else. But it maybe seems like the answer behind the answer on that is creating ways for people to stop feeling social anxiety in the first place. And I think maybe... The loosening of stigma around mental health is helping with that. I don't know.
1: I think listen right. back to that. Yeah, it's definitely something that people talk about more now than ever before. It's normalized. It's not like you said destigmatized
0: Yeah, I think so. Hopefully, hopefully, it's getting more and more. My third prediction is one that I think I fell flat on my face. I followed a lot of food pundits down this path of declaring the ultimate demise of fine dining. And it was because of a few things. It was the movie, the menu, the fact that that very famous restaurant that I cannot remember the name of right now closed. You know, All this different stuff happened that started to feel like a trend. And I desperately tried to get all the food and restaurant people that I interviewed this year to agree with me. I failed completely. No one agreed with me that fine dining is going away. However, I did get Mandy Murray in episode 102. She said, and I agree with her, that food has still not come back after the pandemic. What do you think about that? Like, What's your take on the state of fine dining and dining out in general?
1: Well, I'll tell you that the way uh, that my husband and I and, and our daughter, the way we dine has changed dramatically. And having worked in the fine dining industry for so long, we used to go out to dinner and it was almost a guarantee that we were going to do an appetizer and then a salad and then an entree and probably share a dessert. And it was going to be an experience. We were going to spend a long time, many courses. We don't. We just don't do that anymore. We, first of all, we eat earlier, which is something that I... Yes, I know, Grandma. I'm well aware. <laughs> <laughs> we, eat, we eat earlier and we are less inclined to order entrees anymore when we go out to eat. Now, we are still regular uh, eating out people. Like we, we go to casual restaurants, we go to fine dining, all of that. But typically, these days, we go more towards the appetizer section and salad section and we do more sharing than we ever did before um it's i feel like chefs or uh whoever's created the menu are more creative on the appetizer section of the menu and you get you just get more variety you get more bang for your buck And then, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the uh, entrees for us are a thing of the past. So we, (laughs) (laughs) we just don't do that. That's a pretty bold statement. Entrees are a thing of the past. (laughs) Listen to me now. (laughs) Quote me later. (laughs) Um, But, but truly it's, uh, you know, the prices of things are rightfully so gone up so drastically that it's, you know, I can... A forty forty five dollar steak, you know, I, I'm I'm more likely to eat that at home than I am to order in a restaurant. But I, I still think that's true. I still want the dining experience, so I want to have I want to have the drink and the wine and the appetizer and the salad and the and I'm still going to be full. I'm not bringing home a to go box because I didn't o- over order. You know, mm-hmm.
0: I can't. Tell if I'm just like burned out on going out to eat, or if things have really changed that much. But when you just said the dining experience, I, I honestly God feel like that is what is missing—like this feeling of being pampered and the hus- hospitality of it all. Do you know what I mean? All that stuff. I don't know. I just I, it just feels like it's changed. I hope not for the forever. Did you have any memorable meals this year?
1: Oh man, let's see. Uh, Some of my most memorable meals are from food trucks on the side of the road in cities because my husband is obsessed because we have a food truck. (laughs) with Mm -hmm. eating at a food truck. So uh, some crazy combinations. We had some food and, and a little taco, roadside taco stand in Costa Rica that was like, this is the best taco of my life, you know? Um, Uh those kinds of little small experiences, not one big major, you know, uh, experience. No, I will say there was one that was terribly disappointing in Madrid. Uh I can't remember the name of it, but it's evidently the oldest, um, restaurant in the entire world. And, um, and that could either work terribly against you or potentially in your favor? I don't know. I know. Well, it was a very cool building and it was neat getting there and all of that. And we just looked at the menu and it was just... It was so lackluster and the food was just subpar. And I don't know. It just it was a little disappointing because we were really looking forward to that. Yeah.
0: I'll tell you the most... The When I try to think of like what's my most memorable dining experience this year... It was going to Bergen Barrel in your neighborhood because I had never been there before. And it's just like my exact kind of place, like a thousand different small plates, really nice cocktails, a great ambiance. Like what a great place. I love it there. I'm definitely want to go back ASAP.
1: Agreed. agree. Number one neighborhood bar, for sure, restaurant.
0: <laughs> okay. So now that we have reviewed my terrible performance at making <laughs> predictions last year. Let's talk about predictions for this year. Do you have any big predictions for 2024?
1: Well, we kind of covered what I'm predicting, which is what you uh you reiterated, the short-term industry market turning long-term. I also mm-hmm. predict people this is okay. I predict and everyone you know their Instagram feed or their social media or whatever, the travel that they're going to do this year is going to involve seeing the Northern lights because it's supposed to be such a big year for that. And everybody I know is talking about it. I don't know about you, but uh, Mm. I predict a lot of people doing that this year and uh, more international travel. It's just a huge uh, topic that I think people are really, getting more comfortable with and excited to do. And that's my prediction.
0: So where are people going to see the Northern Lights? Do you have a trip planned to go?
1: Uh, Not technically, but I think it's going to be Alaska. A lot of people... uh, This is... in, In the travel industry, they're saying this is the year of Alaska... Which were just like so way ahead of our times. Hey. <laughs> look at us. <laughs> just look at us. Um, I think Iceland, of course, um, and any of those really, you know, northern spots, but Iceland's gonna be a huge one.
0: I saw the northern lights when we were in Maine. It was like maybe not the most dramatic rendition of the Aurora Borealis, but I did see them. So I'm kind of like, do I need to see that again? I don't know. Would I rather just go do something else? I'm not sure. The other one that I keep hearing people talk about is that this is the year of Japan. Yes, 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 yes. For Susan Barry and Sean Barry, this is definitely the year of Japan. Hopefully we're going to go in March or April and visit Japan, which I am so excited about.
1: And Rio. Uh, I've heard a lot of people doing Rio this year. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, Mike and I next week, we're going to St. Croix and we're going to do a bioluminescent kayak ride at night and people liken it to the Northern Lights. It's one of those things that you can't really describe to other people and you can show them photos and things like that. But until you see it in person, you don't... It's like, you don't know if you know, you know, kind of thing.
0: It's... That's how I feel. This is going to seem weird to say, but that's how I feel about seeing... Um, starling murmurations, which we saw last year in Rome where thousands and thousands of starling birds are flying together, but they're like undulating like a big, it's, I don't know. It's impossible to describe it. It's amazing to see. Um, any predictions about food and beverage or hotels or just the world in general? Like I, my feeling is that 2024 in the culture is such a year of uncertainty because people have been trying to talk us into having a recession for the last two or three years. Still hasn't happened yet. Some For some people, it feels very recessionary, but the economy is actually performing really well. So that's like a thing of uncertainty. There's a big election this year, which is very uncertain. It just feels like kind of like a, we're walking on a tightrope type of year. What about your personal predictions and plans? Like uh, you mentioned maybe going to see the Northern Lights. What else?
1: Um, uh, Really launching my travel business this year. But uh, by also traveling a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Doing research. (laughs) Uh, Yes. A lot of research and development this year. Um, And we're also looking to make a pretty big change at our... um, condominium snack shop that we have. This will be our 14th summer. And we're changing the model up a little bit with that, or kind of big time with that. Um, And so I'm very excited. We're going to be offering a full bar this year for the first time ever. And it sounds small, but it's just, it's it's really exciting. Um, And our daughter just graduated early from high school. Woo-hoo! huge change and, uh, adjusting into, you know, what's next for her. And she'll be, um, still participating in all the senior activities and that kind of thing, but, um, just changes. I'm, 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 uh, slowly walking towards that empty nest lifestyle. (laughs) I
0: understand for me, in addition to Japan, I have it mapped out on my calendar to visit 8 or 9 more states this year. I don't know if I'll actually accomplish all of them. But I have it like plotted out where each one will go. So fingers crossed, that will get me almost all the way to the finish line. And then I'll just have Hawaii left to complete for my 50th birthday. So...
1: That's you know,
0: exciting. I know, hopefully that will happen. And I'm sure more trips and plans and exciting things will, you know, arise as they often do. I nothing is more fun to me than making plans. I would rather plan it than actually do it sometimes. So I'll be making plenty more plans.
1: Is okay. Kentucky on your list for this year?
0: Yes. In or fact,
1: you let, yet to do. Yeah. That's
0: one I think I'm going to do first while it's still really cold. Most of my other states are cold weather states. And so, even though Kentucky is not hot right now, it's not like below zero in temperature. <laughs> so, hopefully, I'll be going there sometime in the next few weeks. That's the plan.
1: Wow. Cool. I really want to go.
0: What about something you're removing from your life or from your business as you look ahead to 2024?
1: I'm looking forward, I'm trying to remove my daily stops at Starbucks. Oh, really? Yes. I, it's ridiculous that I go almost every day considering that I have a full-fledged espresso machine in my kitchen <laughs> and have for almost a decade. Um, we're on our second one, actually. And... <laughs> Not only that, I am practically a trained barista. This <laughs> is ridiculous that I've been paying six dollars a day for a coffee that I can make in my kitchen that tastes even better because I've been doing it for the past few days. It's my resolution this year. Oh, that's good. What's your start? Not to cut order? it out altogether. Not to cut it out all together. You, sure but... you look like oh, a oh, junkie oh. when you say that like oh. whoa. <laughs> So, what do you it's normally get
0: from Starbucks? It
1: is literally the lamest order. And it is a grande non fat latte hot with two Splenda.
0: And it's with cow milk?
1: Yes, non fat cow milk.
0: All right. So, yeah, you're really. Taking advantage of the Starbucks uh, (laughs) special menu there. No no
1: flavors, no no light foam, heavy foam, Uh no nothing. That's crazy. I... Ha- like
0: I have had a Starbucks habit off and on since Starbucks began, um, but we have an espresso machine, and then we got a Nespresso machine for Christmas, which, by the way, is the most delicious tasting coffee I've ever tasted in the history of time. Um, so, like, uh, probably a couple of weeks ago, I ha- I can't remember why, but I was in a place that had a Starbucks, and I'm like, oh, i will just going to Starbucks real quick. Oh my, not delicious relative to what we're making here at the Berry Estate. So I hear you on that one. But y'all
1: are both very much, uh, especially Sean. Y'all are some coffee snobs up in there. Sean
0: is a coffee snob. He's turned me into one because he is like, we we grind the number of grams of beans to make one cup. Like that is crazy pants. But seen with that. the Nespresso machine. Now we have the little pods, which are recyclable, by the way. And um, oh my god, it's so good! I cannot wait for you to taste it. Well, what
1: about a? Worm? Well, I have to tell you. I have to tell you one more thing about coffee. Okay, so I was on a girls' trip recently, and we were sitting around, you know, in the morning drinking our coffee, and I'm like. Oh my god! This is such good coffee. Like this is so good. What, what kind is it? And everyone just started dying laughing at me because it was Folgers. <laughs> you <the guy, laughs> get the big red tub. Nice. But, you know, if you if, if you're making your own coffee, I'm like, it just goes back to I have been wasting a ton of money. <laughs> on am
0: <Starbucks. laughs> When you would be not just happy but delighted with or free ground.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> Do you have a word for the year? You know how like people will be like, "This is my word for the year." Do you have one?
1: Well, I I don't have <laughs> one. Starbucks that... <laughs> <laughs> <It's> savings. Um, <laughs> I don't have one that I like came up with. I know what you're talking about. I have done that in the past, but I've done a couple of those screenshot uh games where you you know, you, you like find... where the
0: words flicker past super fast and you're supposed to screenshot it. And then that word is supposed to be your word for the year. Is that what you're talking about?
1: Thank you. That's a much better explanation. <laughs> and, and then that screenshot game and sublime was the word that came up for me. Awesome. And then I did another one where you do the word search and find out, you know, the, not the word search, but what pops out at you. So I have four words and they all really connect to me. So they are purpose change, connect, and money. Oh, wow. I love change. That's so interesting. And connect. I really like connect.
0: Yeah. Those are good words. I
1: don't know. Yes. I thought so too. What about you? What's your word?
0: My word on the screenshot game was powerful which okay uh, <laughs> but then tracks. i sort of have a word for the year it's not really a word it's a phrase which is less is more and this is i mean obviously it's like not any brilliant newly coined phrase or whatever but i read this book called 10x is easier than 2x and it talks about how in a business sometimes it's easier to do 10 times your capacity, like your revenue or whatever, than it is to just do double. And if you change your way of thinking about that, then you can grow exponentially. We'll see if that works. But it really got me thinking about doing less to do more. Less is more also refers to weight. It refers to... like all the chocolate-covered cherries I ate over Christmas. (laughs) You know, all of those things that refers to stress and all of that. So hopefully that will be a good guiding phrase for me for 2024. I love it. Okay. So for the last part of our conversation... I want to do something different because we both already know all of our Loading Dock stories and have told them on this show. So instead of that, we're going to do some speed round style questions. And to keep it fair, we both have a big list of questions and we're just going to take turns asking them. But you can go first so that I will not have been able to pick one. So... Whenever you're ready, ask your first question.
1: On a scale of 1 to 10, how good of a driver are you?
0: A 10, obviously. Do you agree? <laughs> you really haven't ridden I, with me in so long. I haven't ridden with you in so long. I mean, when I was young, I think I was very renowned for not being a great driver, but I'm an excellent yes. driver now. Very excellent. Very safe, but not slow. I'm an A-plus driver. What about you?
1: Well... Let's also remember that uh, even though I'm a couple years younger than you, I had to teach you how to drive a manual (laughs) six shift.
0: (laughs) You and the unhoused man who helped me when I stalled out in the middle of the streets of Tallahassee (laughs) and had to get me back going so I could make it to work on time. Okay. What is your ideal outside temperature? 79. 79? You don't think that's too high?
1: I no, I like it to be warm. I don't want it to be scorchingly hot. Mm-hmm. I want the temperature to be hot enough to I can get inside of water. Uh, seventy nine. That's what I, right. I like.
0: Listen, you like what you like.
1: What about you? Probably 72,
0: 75, something like that. It's probably not that different than seventy nine, to be honest with you.
1: I, I can't you remember upset. what
0: seventy anything feels like because it is so cold here right now. I'm
1: freezing. I thought you would have said colder, and also let's also factor into my seventy nine. That's at a fifty percent or less humidity.
0: <laughs> okay, do <laughs> so you have some rules for your favorite
1: temperature? <laughs> Under I got rules. All right, uh, say a word in Spanish. Adios. How about you? <laughs> Gracias.
0: <laughs> do you have a nickname that your parents used to call you? <laughs>
1: Uh, the village idiot. No! that's not what I was thinking. It's Weena
0: because they used to call you (laughs) Katrina Weena because your name
1: is Catherine. (laughs) I I blocked that out. (laughs) They called me Woozen for Susan Woozen, or they called me Sue Cat because they weren't saying your name. (laughs) Yeah. What is the last song that you downloaded?
0: Vampire Empire by Big Thief. And it is such a flippin' good song. However, now that I just said it, it's going to get stuck in my head and I will not be able to think of anything else for the next week or so. So yeah, thanks for that. Um, I'm guessing you have not downloaded a song since Tom Petty's last album. Do tell.
1: Uh, True story. (laughs) (laughs) I am a big fan of listening... To other people's music that they've chosen. Okay. And podcasts and audiobooks. So what's your favorite junk
0: food? Oh my gosh. How how can I even narrow it down to one? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I used to be so much more of a sweets person, but now I'm getting to be a savory person. I think Cheez-Its. Cheez-Its are my favorite junk food. For sure.
1: That's a that's a good one. Yeah,
0: they're that's freaking delicious. What about you?
1: Any potato product, be it french fries or chips. I do not discriminate. I love them all.
0: If you were given an all expenses paid trip to Cleveland, would you take it? Yes. Me too. Cleveland is awesome. Cleveland is where I went when I was knocking Ohio off my list of states. I had a ball in Cleveland. I thought it was an awesome city and I would happily go back there anytime. It, it, all expenses paid or not. I love it there.
1: There is literally nowhere that I wouldn't go for free. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Well, that's good to know. What about Russia?
1: Uh, timing is everything. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a good point. <laughs> okay. What's your favorite car? Bread, pasta, rice, or potatoes?
0: Definitely bread, one thousand percent bread. And here is my favorite bread: baguette, untoasted, with softened butter. Omg, that is the most delicious bread of all the breads. Fight well, me! Well,
1: <laughs> you're very, very, you're very
0: European. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, indeed, I am. I'm very. I'll
1: even though potatoes are my favorite, like junk food, bread is so good. Mike made fresh, uh, homemade focaccia bread last night.
0: Ooh, oh, how nice for it, you! It was so
1: nice. <laughs> okay,
0: this isn't on the list, but if you could only either have pasta or rice for the rest of your life, which one would you pick? <laughs> uh, Listener, uh, she's got a
1: terrified look on her face (laughs) how can i choose i today me would say rice uh maybe like six or seven years ago me would say pasta
0: all the times me would say rice i love rice i do not love pasta i don't hate pasta but rice all day for sure a hundred percent
1: What about pasta that was made out of rice flour? (laughs) How dare you? How dare you corrupt this conversation like that? Say good day, mate, in an Australian accent. Quick. Good day, mate. (laughs) Good day. I was going to say top of the morning to you. (laughs) That's not Australian, you little... I know. Uh, But I just got back from Ireland. What what are you going to do?
0: Would you rather cuddle with a baby panda or a baby penguin? And it's not gonna hurt me? Well, (laughs) cuddle, I think, is like inherent in the word cuddle is that you're gonna be okay.
1: Well, I'm thinking it would be a baby panda because it would be soft and fluffy. But then I'm like, but a baby panda could definitely kill me. Do you think? But it would be so busy. wait is it a real panda or is it somebody in a panda suit okay so i don't
0: believe in pandas you know this about me every time i see a panda all i see is a man in a panda suit i don't believe that pandas are real i mean i do but i don't you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i don't know if you could go back in time, what time period would you want to go to?
1: Oh man, pardon me. Wants to say the seventies because I sort of. I mean, granted, I was born, you know, in the late seventies, but I like the I, late seventies. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I was born in the very late late seventies, generation of eighties. <laughs> <laughs> um because I love their music and I feel like ah, there's just so many, it's just a simpler time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's something that really resonates with like the the style and the clothes and sort of the evolution of the, I don't know. I don't know exactly why, but the seventies.
0: Yeah, I kind of think the late 60s, early 70s would be one for those reasons. And it was like such a period of change, and mm-hmm. people were finally, black people and women were finally starting to be not treated like absolute dirt all the time. So that's good. Like, that's why it's hard to answer this question. Cause I mean, the 1920s for the fashion and like the sort of jazz age thing, for sure. But there was so much racism and sexism. Like, who wants any of that? You know what I mean?
1: Exactly. Totally. Yeah. Yep. For show. Sure. All right. How many pull-ups can you do in a row, sister? The row. How about you? Same. Really? Unless there's, yeah, unless they're assisted with a band. Um, but yeah, I, I can't. I'm surprised really you're
0: so strong and fit. I would think you would be able to do a hundred pull-ups. At least, at the very least.
1: Oh, I'm glad I give that vibe.
0: Okay, if everyone in the world had to get married once they reached a certain age, what age should that be? Hmm,
1: thirty-five. Why? I just came up with <laughs> because I got married at twenty-five, which I think is. On the young side, no, I don't regret my decision one bit, not what, not at all, not one bit. Mm -hmm. But I feel like in your 30s, you are, are a little bit more established with who you are and what you want from your partner, from yourself first, and your partner, and how you see the trajectory of the rest of your life. And if you wanted to start a family, if that was your path, then you have. Not that you can't do that, not married. I don't mean that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're, you've got, you still have plenty of time and you're building a life with somebody at that point. You're still young enough that you're, you know, you're building.
0: I would say 60 or 65, because like you can do pretty much, uh, to your point, you can do pretty much whatever you want, married or unmarried. But when you're in your, I think 65, like retirement age, you need someone to rely on and someone to rely on you like that's when you're around fewer people like less interaction with the greater world you know all that kind of stuff so that's when i would force people to get married by if they weren't already married by the age of 65
1: okay when you kind of put it like that when they're because in this scenario they're forced to get married It's not an ideal. I, 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 yeah, I'm I'm just going to go ahead and retract my answer and agree with you. (laughs) Let's just agree to agree, shall we? You know, the
0: thing about getting married at 25 that I think is so interesting is I did this, I like ran this down in my head one time, and this is an estimate, but I want to say something like 80% of the people that I know that are married in happy marriages have been with their partners for a long time were with them in one way or the other at the age of 25, including me. I didn't get married at 25. It took a really long time for us to get our act together, but it was the right person. So clearly at 25, people know what they're up to.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree with that for sure. All right.
0: I have a final question for you. And that is this. Aside from on the airwaves on this podcast. Do you want to live forever? Nope. Me either. Forget that. (laughs) What a dreadful idea. I do not have any interest in living forever. Well, Kat Meek, thank you so much for being here. I always love when you're on the show and I really appreciate you riding up to the top floor.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's always a great time.
0: Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash one, two, three. Jonathan Albano is our editor, producer, and all around genius. He even wrote and performed our theme song with vocals by Cameron Albano. You can subscribe to Top Floor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. And your rating or review will go a long way in helping us give you more of what you like.
1: Thanks for listening to the Top Floor Podcast at www.topfloorpodcast.com. Have a hospitality marketing question? Reach us at 850-404-9630 to be featured in a future episode.